0: got your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 8, as we continue this series, the highlights of him, all right, as we lead up to Easter, what we're doing is highlighting the life and ministry of Jesus in the book of Mark, all right, and we're highlighting different points that help. Uh, fill in the picture or color in the picture of the resurrection that we're going to celebrate on Easter, okay? And so up until this point, we've looked at the highlights, right, of Jesus shows up, all right? Last week, we looked at Jesus heals, all right? And this week, we're going to look at Jesus teaches, all right? Jesus teaches. And so Mark chapter 8, let's dive right on into it, starting in verse 34. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. I don't know if you've ever sat around and pondered much about what it means to be alive. Or if you sat around and pondered and tried to define what is life? You know, but I think if you sit down and you think about those questions, all right, unless you're just really sharp, unlike myself, you might it might take some time for you to, to define with some clarity what does it mean to actually be alive? What does it mean to have life? What does it actually mean? What does that actually look like? Because theory does us no good. Theory doesn't do us any good. Understanding something conceptually doesn't do us any good. Because what happens when we stay in theory, we stay in concepts, typically what happens is we don't make any movement in our lives. We don't take practical steps in obedience when we stay in concept or we stay in theory so I want to talk this morning not in concept not in theory but in practicality what is life what does it mean to be alive what does that look like what would that look like for you and I today to be alive to walk out this week and to live a life that is alive what does that look like in practicality what does that mean because this is what Jesus is doing here. He calls the crowds in. He just gets done talking to his disciples, and he tells his disciples, hey, I just want to be clear, guys. I'm going to die. I am going to suffer. I'm going to say some things that rattle people's cages. They're not going to like it. They're going to be threatened by what I'm saying. They're going to put me on a cross. I am going to die, but three days later, I'm going to raise up out of that grave. And Peter takes Jesus aside and he's like, tries to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, you can't say that. You're the Messiah. The Messiah is reestablishing God's people, all right? Not dying. You're supposed to reestablish us. You're supposed to build this kingdom again. We're God's people. You need to stop talking funny. All right? Jesus tells Peter, he tells him, "Hey, Satan, get behind me." He wasn't calling Peter Satan, but if you read the text, all right, right before the text I just read to you, all right? What he's saying is, "Hey, your mind, your thought process is not of God. It's of man." And so I'm rebuking your thought process. Get behind me unless you actually know what you're talking about. Just be quiet, Peter. I have to die. I have to die for the forgiveness of your sins. I have to. There's no other way for you to be reconciled to God. There's no other way to establish God's kingdom if I don't die. And I don't on the third day raise up defeating your sin. That has to happen. Get behind me until you get on board. And so He's teaching His disciples, writing their perception of what the Messiah, what the Savior is going to do and what He's like. And then He calls the crowds in. And He says this. So He teaches not only His twelve, but now He's teaching the Lord crowd. And calling the crowd to Him, He said to them, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. When you're trying to define what is life or what does it mean to be alive, you have to first conclude if there's life, there also has to be death. Death. Without death, there's not life. Without life, there's not death. It's like, without good, what is evil? Without evil, what is good? There has to be that, uh, that counterpart. And so if you're going to first talk about, hey, what is life, we have to conclude that, hey, there's, there's, th- th- there's also this state of non-living or death or to not be alive, all right? If I'm going to have life, that means I'm not dead, If I'm dead, that means I don't have life. Okay? My wife and I recently, a couple weeks ago, we acquired some property, a couple acres in Oak Grove. And so one of the first things I did is I go to Feldman's and I get me a nice new chainsaw, right? And I asked the guy behind the counter, I said, hey, can you give me a tutorial? I'm about to head out to the property. And so he's showing me everything and gives me a tutorial and I go out there and, and there's some trees that I want to cut down uh, you know this is why I'm gonna put up my house right here and these trees got to go all right and so there's this tree in the middle of where you know I'm wanting to put this house up and I can hug it you know like this I mean it's pretty good I've never cut down a tree before <laughs> All right, but I'm letting you know the size you know what I'm saying I can hug it it's about like this and, and I'm like yeah this thing right here it's coming down I knew it was dead I knew it was already dead, I looked up, and it goes about 15 feet up, but then it's like it's lost most branches. So I got like 15 feet of trunk, and I'm like, perfect. There's a new gate that I want to build on the front of this property, and I'm going to use this tree to build that gate, and I'm going to get it out of the way so I can put my house up. This is perfect. So I go to cutting this bad boy down. I pinch the blade a few times, I do a ton of things wrong, okay, but it's a learning process and I, all my digits still, okay? I get, this, I get this tree down, and I go to start to cut it up. And as I go to cut it up, I quickly realize the whole inside of this thing is hollow. I'm like, how am I gonna build a gate with a hollow trunk? You're really dead, aren't you? I knew you were dead, but you're really dead. <laughs> And you have no use to me, no value. You are dead, okay? What, the reason why I tell you that story is this, is that there's, there, there, there's, when you talk about life and you talk about death, it's more than, all right, am I standing upright? Am I taking in breath? Okay, it's more than that. It's more than, are you breathing? Did you get up this morning? Are you standing up? It's more than that. It's not, it has nothing to do with are you standing upright, all right, this tree was standing upright, but you know what? Inside, this, this thing was dead. It was not alive. Okay? We can give off the perception of being alive, and we're not alive. The insides were dead. We're not living. There's nothing happening in here. All right? That's what Scripture teaches us. Paul says, in your sin, you were dead in your trespasses. There's a point where we're all upright, taking in breath, but we're dead in our sin until Christ makes us alive, until we put our faith in Him. We're dead in our sin. We're walking corpses, is what Paul says. We're walking corpses. Because to be alive is not simply to be breathing. In one sense, it may be, but from an eternal sense, it's not about are you taking breath? Because I know a lot of people that aren't living with us here that are still alive. Okay? It's more than just are you taking breath? If you remember back a few weeks ago, I used this analogy with you of the radish and the carrot. Right? A radish is red on the outside, white on the inside. It gives off the perception of something, but when you cut it open, the insides look different. Right? The carrot, it's orange on the outside, orange on the inside. What you see on the outside runs through it. Okay, You can be going about your week taking in breath, upright at your work, raising family, all right, doing a married life, and just be a walking corpse. According to Scripture, according to Scripture, there's life and there's death. And so the question that we ask is how we find life. Jesus answers that question for the crowd, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What is Jesus saying there? If you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it, or you're going to wind up dead, or you're going to stay dead. But if you lose your life, you're going to save it or you're going to find life. It's kind of like lost and found. If I lose my life, I'm going to find life. If I'm trying to hold on to my life, I'm actually losing it. I'm actually going to be dead or I'm going to remain dead. What is he saying in the midst of that? If you're trying to save your life, if you're trying, to, if you're trying to, uh, um, in this context, what he was saying to the Jews, hey, if your determination to fall away, if your determination doesn't fall away, if you don't stop trying to earn something, all right, you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. Because the law was you need to keep the commandments, keep the commandments, keep the commandments, Follow my rules, follow my rules. If you do these things, you're a righteous person. So for this context, for this crowd, it's, hey, lose the determination to be good. Because you can't. Lose that determination. If you're trying to save your life, you're trying to keep it, trying to earn it in your determination, you're going to lose it. What about for us? What's that look like for us? Because I think some of us may struggle with uh, legalism. Some of us may struggle with legalism. And so that message is for you. Legalism, following the rules, ain't got nothing to do with being alive. Ain't got nothing to do with being alive. But I think for a lot of us, it's not so much legalism. It's something else. Ask yourself the question, what does it look like for me to save my life? That's what Jesus is saying here. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. What's it look like for you to try and save your life? Does it look like control? Do you need to control everything around you? Does it look like selfishness. I feel alive when I get my way. Because another question to ask to help you get here is where do you go to feel alive? Where do you go to feel alive? Do you go to the man cave and play Call of Duty to feel alive? Better not, Nate. Do you go to the bar to feel alive? Because you're so dead inside that you're like, man, if I just go to the bar, something exciting might happen. There's stimulus there, and I'll just feel alive. If I can just belly up and watch things go down, maybe I'll watch a fight. Maybe, maybe a girl shows attention to me, and it stimulates my mind. Is, is, is that where you go to find life? Ask yourself that question. Do You go to your kids. You're trying to find life in your kids. Whoever loses his life will save it. Whoever's trying to save it is going to lose it. Jesus is saying, You're only going to find life in me. You're only going to find life in me. Only in the pursuit of me will you find life. If you'll give up your life for my sake, And for the sake of the gospel, you will then find life. Lose yours for my sake, you'll know what it is to be alive. If you'll give up everything for me, that's what he's saying. Everything. If you lose it all, you'll find life at that point. Does that seem out of touch with reality, though? Does that seem so far fetched? Because let's talk practicality. If you're going to give up everything in your flesh, here's what that looks like in practicality I don't get to be mad. I don't, get to, I don't get to be mad and I don't get to stay mad at my spouse. I get to lose that. I don't get to be mad and stay mad at my spouse. That's not losing my life. I don't get to, I don't get to, I don't get to not have the conversations that I need to have. And I feel like I say that every week to y'all. I feel like a broken record, but the only reason why I keep saying it to you is because I keep finding myself in the middle, I keep finding myself in the middle of the things you got going on with people in this room. That's why I'm going to keep saying it. To lose your life for the sake of Jesus, you don't get to not have the conversations with your brothers and sisters. You don't get to. To lose your life, you don't get to decide what's right and what's wrong. You don't get to decide what's okay and what's not okay. Jesus gets to decide that. When you lose your life to things of God, become the top button or the highest priority in your life. And you don't get to live out of your own desires. I would love... There are days I would love to just, and there are some days I do, live out of my own desires. I'm not perfect. We don't get to live out of our own desires. That'll produce death. what do you need to lose? What do you got to lose this week? Because like I said, Jesus is making a promise here. If you lose it, you'll find something else and you'll find life. If you lose it, you'll find life. Do you want to find life? Because I know some of you say, it's just too hard. I just can't do it. I can't pull myself to it. Is death that enjoyable? Is death that enjoyable? I would say not. Because if it was enjoyable, you wouldn't come talk to me. You wouldn't come talk to me about a problem if it was enjoyable. You don't get to hold on to your flesh. We don't get to hold on to our desires. We lose those will find life we don't lose those look what jesus says what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what can a man give in return for his soul what jesus is saying here hey if you're going to give your life or you're going to give your soul to something else other than me you just got scammed Because if you sell your soul to something else, it says, what are you going to profit? You can't profit anything from selling your life to something or someone else. You will profit nothing because there's nothing more valuable than your soul, Jesus is saying. So if you're going to sell your soul, you're going to let somebody else become the owner of your life, you are going to be in the negative. There's no profit for you. There's no gain for you when somebody else has your life. When you have your life, when you're in charge, you're going to always be in the negative. You're going to always be less than. You're going to always be dead. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? This, your life is the most valuable thing, Jesus says. And the enemy convinces us often that there are things to be gained in our flesh there's things to be gained in our own desires and Jesus is saying hey there's not I know it I know it looks like a good exchange here I got a call from one of those telemarketers the other day I'm calling because there was a $700 charge to your Apple account for a brand new iPhone. I'm like, I got a flip phone, dude. I don't, I don't do this iPhone stuff. We want to know if you, you know, confirm this payment. We'd like to get your information. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. Let me give you my information so that you can, right, delete this so-called expense. That sounds good. Sounds like I'm gonna come out on top. Sounds like I'm gonna be plus $700 instead of minus $700. The enemy is good at convincing you, hey, give me this part of your life, sell this to me, there's gonna be profit for you. There's gonna be life given to you in that. No, nothing. Don't believe him. Don't trust him. For what can a man profit? from selling his soul nothing what would it look like this week to see somebody that's alive or what would it look like this week to feel alive what do you think anybody know somebody alive What makes them alive? What do they look like? How would you describe it? Let's do some popcorn. Let's talk. It's part of how Jesus taught. He had conversations with the crowd, with his disciples. Let's talk. Do you know somebody alive? What makes them alive? Yeah. Yeah. Other than being married to me. That brings a lot of life to her. I'm just teasing. Yes, yes. She walks it out. Jay? You can talk twice in one service. Jim Riley. Good. Way to go, Jim. Somebody that's got inner peace regardless of the circumstance. Who do you know that's alive? What do they look like? What makes Sandy alive? Gives good counsel in the Spirit. Who do you know that's alive? What do they look like? Now let me ask this question. How many of you Felt alive this week. If you felt alive this week, what was it? What was it that you were doing? That you were thinking about somebody else? Yeah. So you trusted in God. Being in community this week made you feel alive? By this side of the room. you feel alive this week and what were you doing? Yeah. Gabby, you mind if I tell a little bit of your story? been hanging out with Calvin a few times now here recently you know at the wood shop. And Calvin's been sober for a little bit now. And Calvin is pursuing life. He's pursuing a different community. He's deleting numbers from old community. He's trying to find and establish some new community. And we got to watch, you know, some of that. We were at the, the shop last night, building some things with purpose. And then I get a call from Calvin this morning, I don't know, 7 o'clock. I'm like, who's calling me at 7 o'clock? Calvin's going, hey, what time do people start setting up up at the school? Do feel, you feel alive in that? Yeah. Who else? Did you feel alive this week? What were you doing? Intentional time with your family made you feel alive this week? David? Yeah. No. Same focus on Jesus. hanging out with our students this week made you feel alive yeah let's see another hand over here Nancy service and generosity made you feel alive this week notice everything that has been said the people that you know in your life that are alive they're alive because they are not consumed with self you heard that this i i see this person alive because they're doing what the lord asks of them when you answered the question i felt alive this week when it's because you were not there's nothing self-centered about what you were doing you were hanging out with students trying to minister to students you're speaking truth into somebody. You're serving somebody. You're encouraging somebody. You're hanging out with the Lord. You're being intentional with your family. They're all things that don't have to do with self, but with somebody else. You're losing self and you're finding life. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. If you want to feel alive, have purpose. You want your heart to beat fast. Do something for somebody else. This is the picture we see on the cross. Jesus laid down His life so that we could find ours. That's the picture you see on the cross. He laid down His so that we would be alive in Him. Philippians chapter 3 is the last place I want to go. Last thing I want to say to you, but it's a really good picture of what it means to lose your life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own, Or a goodness of my own that comes from my striving or comes from the law or comes from being a goody-goody two-shoe, but that which comes through faith in Christ. That which comes in faith in what He has accomplished for me. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know Him and the power of his resurrection. Paul says, I count everything as loss. It all pales in comparison to knowing Christ, to knowing what deliverance from self feels like. Knowing that, I count everything else as a loss, everything else is rubbish. There is no gain to be found. Only in knowing Christ and knowing His deliverance of me. The band's going to come back up. We're going to close in worship. I encourage you this week to continue to think about where do I run to when I'm trying to find life? What do I need to lose in order to gain life? Because when we follow Christ, the cost of discipleship is I don't get to to do what I want. I don't get to fulfill the flesh. And it's not like, oh man, I don't get to do this. Jesus is saying, if you just lose it, you'll find life. So it's not like you're missing out. Let's pray. Gotta pray that uh, we, as your body in church, we would count all things as loss compared to knowing you. That knowing you would be sweet, it would be savory. It's what our taste buds want. That we would want you and we would want nothing else. We would want your way and nothing else. We'd want your fame, not ours. Your glory, not ours. Your justice, not ours. We want your tenderness, not our hard-heartedness. We want your patience, not our hurry. We want your love, not our bitterness. Because in your spirit, we'll, we'll find life. We'll be alive in you. God, help us to taste and see that you are good this week. Amen.